This is Global Bible Study, a World Christianity Project, connecting you to the Word and to the world of God. Hello, in this episode, Pastor Roberto Passos, a master's student in missiology at Brazil Adventist University, is my co-host. And to discuss about telling people about Jesus, we welcome Dr. Kevin Ananga from Nigeria, also a PhD in religion from Andrews University, USA, and currently works at Adventist University of Africa in Kenya. Daniel Oliveira, a graduate student at Uludag University, enrolled in the Islamic Students Program. He and his wife have lived in the Turkey for the last three years. Gabriel Collins, a psychologist who has volunteered in Uruguay and Australia. Welcome, everybody. We're very glad that you are here with us. And I will start with Dr. Kelvin Yononga. And uh, a simple question. Uh, do you agree that the Bible is a story of many stories? And what are those stories? Definitely. The Bible indeed is a story of stories. Uh, it begins with a story, the story of creation. It goes on to the story of redemption. It goes on to the story of a whole tribe, how God chooses a person, makes up a nation, and how he uses this nation to save other people. And because the Bible is a story, even when we see Jesus coming to this earth, he tells about the kingdom of heaven in stories. The story of salvation, the story of the kingdom, the story of eternity. And so it's all about stories. In our study guide this week, we have uh, four or five stories that are mentioned. And the first one is found in Mark chapter 5. And it's about the healing of a demon-possessed man. Dr. Kelvin, you have worked and studied on this issue uh, with uh, demon-possessed people and different aspects of... Um, this relation with the, the spirits and how it affects people's lives and mission. Is this true? Did it really happen that way? And what was the important <laughs> importance of the story of this man? Uh, you ask whether it's true. I think that takes us back to the lesson of last quarter. Do we believe in the veracity, the authenticity of the word of God? And I say a resounding yes. Why do I believe that the Bible is true and that the stories found there are true? Because the Bible has been tried and tested. Archaeology has tested it. History has proven it. Even the personal witness of people who have encountered God through the study of God's word attests to the fact that we can believe the Word of God as the Word of God itself. And so I believe that the story is true, that Jesus did indeed meet a man who was found in a state where he had become demon-possessed. His entire will had been taken over by demons. And that is why when he opened his mouth to speak, Alan White says he wanted to cry for help. But because the demons were so in control of him, what came out was, what have we to do with you? Jesus, thou son of David. So that tells us that he had been taken completely over by evil spirits. True story. Wonderful. You have another beautiful history. It's about the the Marys when go to the cave, the grave of, of Jesus. So Daniel, what you learned from this history? 
how you can share because they take this beautiful opportunity they see what happened and don't keep keep silent what do you understand through this history bro you know i think uh god puts uh you know opportunities in our lives to share in the way that he wants us to share that's what we learned from this this passage and uh it's an opportunity for us to be part in his work this is not our work it's it's his work so it's the same thing to what happened in that story now it seems that there's something in common uh between all these stories you know they share about something that happened to them yeah. and uh they can't even control uh their reaction yeah. is that what happens when we experience the same stories oh yeah it's wonderful that's the thing because they want to share it's not like Jesus asked them oh you have to share because it's your obligation now you are healed now they have this desire in their hearts I want other people to know what this man did in my life so it's like <laughs> it's like this fire burning your heart that you have to do it because you can't um, you know hide in, in yourself and just you know just it, it, it's not a secret you know You, you have to express this to others. It's like if you if you found like a pot full of treasure in a field, right? Like like Jesus said, and then you got so excited and you want to tell your friend, "Look what I found." I mean, it's so amazing in Jesus. And so it's when I keep it for myself, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm keeping people from this beauty and from this beautiful things that uh, that Jesus is in our lives. So, uh, I think this is every tr- true christian will go uh, around telling their friends about the precious uh, wonderful gift that is jesus christ in their lives the next story in the study guide is about peter and john before the sanhedrin and they also have the opportunity to testify and people uh, as they watch them they they got to a certain conclusion what happened there Uh, Dr. Kelvin. Yeah, here they come into the t- uh, temple just before they enter the temple. They meet this man who has been lame for the best of, best part of his life, and then he asks for alms. And they say, "Silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk." And a powerful story because just by connecting with their eyes and looking. At them he has faith rise up in him and he makes the effort and he rises up to walk and I think they had church that day because he went into the temple jumping leaping praising the Lord powerful story however commotion has been caused in the temple and so the Sanhedrin come to want to restore order and they hear that they at the center of it all is this man who had been healed and so they want them not to cause not to preach in the name of Jesus and how can they do that they say how can we not tell about what we have seen heard experienced so a powerful thing just like we've been saying uh Jesus had said in the previous lesson last uh, week that it's like a wa- water that is welling up a fountain of water that is welling up into you you can't contain it you must tell about it powerful story and a personal story we cannot stop you need to share the, your experience what happened in your life you need to share in this way 
I believe that as you share the history of Jesus, you have the witness at many powerful history of transformations. And in your own experience, could you share about you what happened in your life? Yeah, actually, you know, I grew up in a Christian church. So, um, how can I say? I grew up hear Jesus, hearing about Jesus everywhere in my life, you know. But there was this moment when I felt myself in the situation where I, I needed myself to have a relationship with Jesus. So what happened was I started praying and asking God. I mean, everybody was praying. I mean, I would ask people to pray for myself. But it came this day that I said, well, no, I, I shouldn't ask people to pray about for me. I should, me, myself, pray to God, right? So that's what I started doing. And then uh, in a powerful way, God, in a very intimate way, I would say. Something that, I mean, I wouldn't talk uh, like, you know, for everybody, how God teaches me and how he, he talks to me because it's so so intimate. I, I heard this in a book where the, the, the author was telling that we should keep this intimate. The relationship with God ourselves is intimate. So we are like, you know, it, it, it varies from, uh, from people to people. But my personal relationship with God was so transformed when I started praying and uh, taking myself out of the center, you know putting uh you know my life in, in god's hands and ask him to do his will and praying this way and and keep praying and then it was amazing how he he i mean we are in a process never finished right but uh he still changed our lives and showed us how we we should be more to be more like him so what we should do to be more like him so this is a daily workout i would say <laughs> Now, Daniel, as you talk to other people, and uh, you and your wife have been living in Turkey, I believe you've probably seen people who have uh, come to, to learn about the story of Jesus and have their lives transformed. And how does that affect, you know, uh, the people around them now? How do you see these transformation happening? Uh, it's interesting here. We have some friends that they became Christians, and it's amazing what God has done in their lives. Not in their lives, I would say, but in their families too. Um, you know, it's it's a long journey for those who live in this country, those who become Christians. I mean, uh, it's a challenging situation because it's a background Muslim background country. So. Uh, most of the friends that I have here that are Christians, they felt a lot of persecution, not persecution by the government, but the social pressure, you know, all of these things here. But uh, it's interesting because when they uh, they become Christians, uh, I mean, I have a friend, especially, they, they say like, you know, I w if, if I have a thousand lives, I would give a thousand lives to Jesus because he's worth all my thousand lives. So that's something touching for us that those people who understand the precious gift of Jesus in this uh, this culture that, that is so far away from all everything Christianity has done and seen and understood uh, throughout the centuries. So it's amazing. Gabriel, I heard you also had a very, uh, your story impacted very much your family. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Actually, I didn't grow up in a Christian you know, family because my mama 
was a Christian woman, but she left church before I was born. So when I was born, I had no uh, impact or influence on Christianity whatsoever. But um, I, I, I kind of came to Jesus because of my neighbors. I had these neighbors and they invited me to go to church when I was like five. And I went to church and I said to my mama, because I, you know, I became a perfider. I loved the church. I loved about hearing the stories about Jesus and etc. And I said, mama, 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 I don't want to go to church by myself. I don't want to go to heaven by myself. I want you with me. And I, I remember this time I was a little guy and we cried because she knew that she left the church. She was not right in what she was doing. And she understood about this crying of a little kid that she needed to, to do something different in her life. So she came to church. After a while, she was baptized. And I could bring my, my sister and my brother and some aunts that I have. And two years ago, I gave Bible study to my other aunt and she was baptized. Because I think that, um, you know, we can share the gospel with everyone and we, we need to do it. But the priority should be a family, you know. This is, this is, I think, in, in my first, you know, priority, my family, because I wanted to be in heaven with them. Dr. Kelvin, help yeah. us understand what we're uh, listening to here. So what is at the center of this story, the story of Jesus, that caused transformation in so many lives? And now we feel uh, that we need to, to tell other people about Yeah, um, thanks Thanks for that question. You know, just like we said that it's all about the story. Stories are powerful. And just like we've heard Gabriel and the others share, um, when it becomes first person, the story of what Jesus has done for me, uh, folks want to listen. It has a powerful effect. It's not theory. It's not, um, it's not something which uh, is contrived. It is something which is real and personal. And what has Christ done for us? When we fully grasp what God did on the cross and what the cross means for our salvation, when we grasp the love of God, It has a transforming effect upon us. Uh, walls begin to break. Uh, life begins to get transformed. But it begins with the grasping of the love of God. And that leads me to understand what Paul was praying about when he wrote to the church in Ephesus, I think it was, he said, so that you may come to comprehend the height and the depth, the length and the breadth of God's wonderful love for us. Because when we understand that price paid upon the cross and the enormity of our sins and the fact that the debt is paid. Ah, that is the beginning of you wanting to share that story of your liberation, your freedom, and that you are, you've been, you've been uh, set free from bondage. That's it. I understand African cultures are very much into narratives. Is mm -hmm. that right? Totally. Um, it's, it's all about a story, the power of a story. Indeed, um, uh, you know, for a long time, we had no records, right, writings about a history. It was all done 
orally. And so history was transmitted orally from generation to generation. And even till today, if you study the cultures of many tribes in Africa, um, problems are resolved through stories, through parables, through oral uh, natures like that. So the stories are more powerful. And indeed, uh, some mission organizations who have come to preach the gospel in Africa, in parts of uh, Papua New Guinea, they've discovered that when they tell the story or act it out in the skits or in a drama, it's more real, more potent onto the people than when you're just telling them that Jesus loves you. So the story is everything. So Ellen White says that it is our job to tell people what we know about him. We must share what we see, hear, and feel about Jesus. In the end, it's not only about uh, what the, our stories, it's not only about what we experience, but it's also about telling other people uh, what happens in our lives. What is the difference between sharing stories as we think in practical ways and the way that sometimes we are more used to in terms of giving Bible studies in a more systematic way? How do you see the two approaches uh, and what are some of the advantages of telling stories? I, I, I think both approaches are, are good, but the context should determine um, the approach to use. Uh, it's interesting that Jesus could uh, reveal deep theology in the form of stories. And so whatever the theology you want to share, why not find a way to be able to couch it so that the folks can understand it clearer? For instance, uh, look at the parable of uh, in Luke chapter 15 of the lost son. Um, I tell the story this way. I said, in Africa, chiefs don't run. Kings never run. So try to imagine this. A father so filled with love for his son that he begins to run towards him even though the son is the one who would abandon the father. That to me is powerful. When you have a chief, a king running, he never runs. Kings don't run. And so it brings out even more powerfully, in my opinion, the love of a God who can run towards erring sinners like us. So theology has its place. It helps us have clear understanding of the truth. And sometimes I do teach that, especially in my classes, to show the power of God to bring transformation to the soul. The supremacy of Christ over every principality and authority and power. You have to show that through that. But then after you've shown the, uh, the theology, why not illustrate it with a story? Thank you so much, Pastor, friends. You want to establish a tradition of learning how to wish people have Sabbath in different languages. So, could you teach us, for example, Daniel, how to say have Sabbath in the language you have learned? In, in Turkish, we would say which is happy Sabbath in Turkish. <laughs> Wonderful. Gabriel, you have learned this in Uruguay. How to say happy Sabbath in Uruguay? Oh, happy Sabbath in Spanish is Feliz Sábado. <laughs> I think you know that, right? <laughs> Perfect. And about you, Pastor Kevin. 
it's a Sabbat in Gemma, Sabbat in Gemma. So, uh, so that's the happy Sabbath in Swahili. Wonderful. Thanks so much. God bless the life and happy Sabbath. On behalf of our producer, Lucas Moreira, and all of us, thanks for joining Global Bible Study. We highly recommend that you study this topic in depth with your study guide. Don't forget to follow and interact with us on social media, on Instagram at World Christianity. Until next time, be global. Global.